louder. Celluloid Psychosis, the greatest movie podcast this side of the Mason-Dixon line. I am your host, the pod boss, TJ Bowser, and joining me, as always, is the man, the myth, the motherfucking legend, Mr. Paul Ashford. How you doing, buddy? I am doing great, thank you very much. How about yourself? Much better now that we are here doing this thing, <laughs> and I am excited to talk about this week's film. But before we mm-hmm. get to that, Paul, how was your week? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's been a very busy one again. Uh, again, moving a lot of stuff around the house, a lot of boring stuff back and forth between my house and my girlfriend's house. We've been heavy stuff, lifting, selling bits off. It's been it's been chaos, and I've been working in between as well. So it's been nonstop. I'm sat in my uh, almost like a broom cupboard at the moment. I'm just covered in junk, covered junk around me, boxes everywhere. But uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. It's nice to see that you're getting things done and getting that process finished because I know it's a pain, but once it's done and over with, everything will be cool and you'll be like, that was totally worth it. But definitely hype to see you're making progress, buddy. Yeah, Yeah, it's getting there. Definitely. (laughs) How's your week? Pretty busy, lots of making lots of commercials, you know, mm-hmm. trying to sell them cars here. And uh, it's been pretty damn good. Got a meeting later on this week with my comic book publisher. Going to follow up, nail down some of those release details, hopefully. Uh, he did get the uh, script for two, and I'm in the process of working on three. Nice. So hopefully everything works out and we get a full uh, North American, yeah, well, full American release, Canada, US, the full shebang, and of course, a digital release for you people over there in the across the pond. Uh, <laughs> region yes. B. Yes, Region B, <laughs> Region B edition. <laughs> Sorry, you can't read this comic book. <laughs> uh, our physical media collectors are laughing out there. Anyway, we have a very special episode. This is uh, the other format of this podcast, one of many that we're going to uh, shift to throughout its course. But we're going to do a little movie review, and I got to pick the first film of mm-hmm. this series. Thank you, Paul, for letting me pick it. And yep. this week's film is Agony from 2020. It may be from 2017, as Paul mm-hmm. has brought up in previous conversations, <laughs> because of international releases. might be a festival date. We don't know these things. We are just small-town bird lawyers. Okay, so that film was directed by Micheli Cavetta, who was banging Asia Argenta at the time. <laughs> yeah. Written by Joseph Schumann and Micheli Cavetta. Starring Asia Argento, Franco Nero, oh baby, Juliette D'Aquilo, <laughs> Jonathan Kekwit, Monica Guitori, Nanetto Davoli, and Sereno Claudia. <laughs> Butchered the fuck out of those. It's been a yep. while, boys. Yeah. I yeah. said anything Italian. <laughs> Paul, read that plot. <laughs> so, wife and mother Isadora receives news of her estranged mother's death and that she's inherited the family estate in Tuscany. Despite her father's wishes, Isadora travels to the estate in order to find out more about her late mother through those who are closest to her. However, during her stay, she's plagued by a specter who she believes is the soul of her mother, warning her. But could it actually be a threat? 
<laughs> so this movie was quite the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not a long one. It's about an hour, 22, 23. And it's a slow burn, though. It's definitely going to feel a yeah. little bit longer than that actual runtime. Mm-hmm. But I, I do have to say it's it's clever. I think it's paced well for that, for a mm-hmm. slow burn film. I feel like it just gives you a little bit more of the mystery. Because the movie starts with the big looming mystery of why is she dead? Mm-hmm. What did she do? <laughs> All this stuff. And that's constantly held uh, held over us for the course yeah, yeah. of this film. But we'll, we'll start us off here. Uh, so what was your initial impressions, Paul? Initial impressions, uh, I thought it was very stylish. Mm. Um, obviously, the camera work and that is all very nice. You can tell it's European, like Italian. Yeah. Um, like this sort of, just like the, obviously, you can, it's set in Tuscany in Italy. Well, most of the film is in Italy. So um, you can just tell by the style, uh, obviously, the scenery, etc. Um it's almost like slow motion uh, camera work as well, the way it pans through all the yeah. different scenery and the shots of the house, etc. So very ghost-like. Initial, initial uh, impressions, I thought, oh, this is this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Um, I did think the dialogue was a little bit dodgy. I almost straight away, it's it's. Um, Isadora and her husband talking Mm -hmm. when she has that first vision at the start and then he he asks he asks her what she's eating she's like I've eaten a a coffee and a bagel and he's like that's not enough it's just just the way I don't know it just came across a bit false it's almost like it's an Italian guy writing for an American language yeah which is probably exactly what happened (laughs) goddamn translation issue yeah But yes, I totally agree with you mm-hmm. on that point, uh, and especially that exact dialogue scene with yeah. the coffee and the bagel. That is, <laughs> that's not enough. Uh, for no. one, who are you to say that's <laughs> enough for Miss Argento? And number two, the way that that dialogue interaction went was very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> um, as for expectations about the film, I mean, I had zero. I'd never heard of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never heard of it so when you suggested it I was pretty excited to find something that I've never heard of uh, I, I mean I, to actually saying that expectation wise when you find out a film's got Asia Argento in it mm-hmm. you kind of expect it's going to be pretty decent Yeah. Um, so that was my own expectation um, and um, and I guess you'll find out from the rest of the podcast what I thought and if that meets my expectations yes <laughs> and it's nice to see and like I said, I gave you a little bit of the background at the beginning there mm-hmm. about that Asya was dating the director at the time, banging him. Yeah. Well, I, I actually thought it was it was um, I thought she had divorced him in like 2013. OK, so it was her ex. Yeah. So she, so did she had, a, him she had a kid with him, I believe. And then oh. they divorced. And then years later, years later, they made this film. So this is pre Anthony Bourdain. Because uh, Bourdain would have because that was so. This is 2017. So yeah. yeah, I guess it would have been okay. Interesting, very interesting timeline there. Yeah, so, yeah, so for those of you who know more than us, yeah, <laughs> that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so visually, this movie, and I think you'll agree, just screams Italian. It yeah. is an homage to everything that is that genre of Italian mm-hmm. thriller film. So it definitely pays homage to like those 70s films yeah. and, and those 80s Argento style mm-hmm. films. Not those films specifically, but those films in that vein. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, Asia, very well represented here, I do have to say, visually. Uh, yeah. they You could definitely tell that the director has an appreciation for her looks. Yeah, uh, and I think that that's used well, and as well, also at the same time, she's a very dynamic actress. So when you get when she gets worked up and she gets really going, 
Uh, she could really go from a very beautiful woman to a very intense, mm -hmm. angry, or even deranged-looking woman, the drop yeah. of that hat. And I think that this movie puts her and frames her very well in that sense, mm -hmm. uh, allows her to, to breathe. Uh, what do you think about this film visually? Visually, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it looked really great. Um, just the color, the colors are really good. So there's... Um... I don't want to talk too much about it already, but it's, it's almost a bit sort of washed out and grey to start with. But um, uh -huh. when they're in the inside the house, there's like a lot of reds. Like they're, when they sit sit down for their first meal, you can see like the wallpaper is like a red tinge. And I think there's like bottles of red wine. The, the red wine, I, I don't know. For and that's reason. a theme throughout the film is that yeah, we have this very reds. washed out neutral uh, environment with these reds popping yeah. up. And yeah, then I yeah. think that's kind of like a kind of like a call to the red specter character that we mm -hmm. see in visions throughout yeah. the movie it has to be definitely definitely and i i just love the very start of the film when when it um there's the very start of the film and it, it brings up actually a quote from i don't want to get this wrong edvard munch who's obviously uh -huh. he's a famous painter he did the scream you know the yeah. famous painting the scream uh but his he, the, a quote comes at the start i'll read it out Sickness, insanity, and death are the black angels that kept watch over my cradle and accompanied all my life. So that really sets the tone for the film. For me, it's obviously quite a dark, almost a film about sort of depression, mental illness kind of thing. Um, but just just the way that that quote comes out, there's like a I want to say it's like a crest, or it's like a I don't know if you remember it from it's like a, almost like a three D effect where it splits in half, and that quote comes out through the middle. Yes. Kind of like the sort of thing you'd see on like the entrance to the uh, to the castle slash mansion. It's had a very cool title card too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think visual style that that really nails the start of it, and that it gets you interested straight away, or got me interested. Fun fact: yep. that uh, little quote there inspired yep. me to put a quote at the beginning of my comic book. Okay. The 3D crest when it opened up, sorry, it for some reason I immediately thought Freddy's dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when yeah. when they first go 3D and, and that it opens up there as well. It's almost the same kind of visual effect. But yeah, there you go. So we kind of already touched on on, on like the stuff like the lighting, color palette, mm -hmm. cinematography. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that Cavetta had to have grown up just absorbing a bunch of film. Just yes. and especially italian film local mm -hmm. film because man like i said earlier this just screams the genre through mm -hmm. and through everything is and I, if you want to add anything to that no I, I completely agree um it's just it's just a really interesting visual style i mean you, you compare it to like a like a british or an american film um you, you just wouldn't get that same you wouldn't get that same color palette you wouldn't get that same visual feel so it really sets it apart for me mm -hmm. um you can it, it just it just screams european <laughs> the dream sequences are so well done. And yeah. when I say dream sequences, everybody's like, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street. No, <laughs> this is a completely different feel, look, mm -hmm. vibe. This is like dreaming in the daytime. It's wild yeah. shit. Mm -hmm. And it's something that only Italian films really pull off or films of yeah. this nature. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's kind of like almost Rosemary Rosemary's Baby-esque with the crazy woman aspect. Spoiler yeah. alert, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would say. But that's that, there's a lot of Italian films that fall into that category of that store, you know, that style of film. Crazy yeah. woman goes crazy. X mm -hmm. Y Z happens. I mean, look at my comic book. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's that it's exact trope, stereotype, whatever you want to call it. But mm -hmm. it's a great setup 
for a movie. We see it here. My fiance and my daughter watched this movie with me. She loved this movie. She thought it was yeah. fantastic. And uh, she really enjoyed the, that hook at the beginning of like, okay, why'd she die? Why was she crazy? Yada, yeah. yada, yada. And yeah, all this yeah. stuff that, kind of, that looms over us the entire that's, that's another thing. It's kind of a film anyone can watch. It's not like a gore gore fest you know adults only kind of thing either is it it's kind of a and when we do get the the stabby stab scene yeah. it's not done that way no 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 not at all it's, it's so done so quickly and, and done in such a way to to <laughs> how, how do i want to phrase it is done in a way it like it it's, horrifi- a fran- it's a it horrifying scene. Yes, yes yes it and, horrifies you but you don't see the horror if yes. like this. And it's I mean, done in such a frantic sense that you can't, you're not there to absorb what just happened yeah, until yeah, yeah. kind of like a little bit. You're like, holy fuck, she killed him. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it, it's, it's, it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the dream, the dream sequence, one thing on the dream sequences, the, the, the one at the very start, kind of the first time I watched it, it caught me out. It kind the, of the ending at the beginning. Yeah. So like the, yeah. the, the credits when she's, um she's in the room and when she's in the, uh, Asia's in the room and She's with her daughter, and yes. then she just kind of turns around and starts, you know, almost faints, doesn't she? And she, and then the whole screen goes red and black, and it like, <laughs> zooms in her eyes. And the next thing, it's going through the credit sequence. I thought that was just a, a cool credit sequence. Yes, I didn't link it to start with. That is actually her vision she was having with all like the stuff going on mm-hmm. in like the in the colorful background. Or um, the also, uh, the nightmare she has early on is actually the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, that's another thing about the film. The whole film is, I want to say it's confusing, but it, it's meant to be confusing. It's almost like a one Lichian giant... in that sense. One giant mind fucked. Yeah. One mind fuck, yeah. It's just like, you, am I, is this a dream sequence? Is this real? Is she, you know, is she dreaming this? Is she living this? And the I whole, think... The whole film's like that. The cinematography helps with that sense mm-hmm. and that feeling, that overall atmospheric tension dark thing that we got going on here especially when it's placed in like almost like a mansion castle type environment and then it's just not that it's that outlying grounds with almost how do you want to say peasants because i feel like that's like (laughs) you know what i mean like it's degrading but like farm folk living Mm -hmm. on the grounds Mm -hmm. yeah yeah off the land they're all just they just every time you see them they're just giving her an evil look and they're like talking behind (laughs) her back yeah (laughs) but it leads to the overall sense of paranoia that she's feeling Yeah. every mm-hmm. scene that we see her in it's it's mm-hmm. pretty gnarly yeah uh, definitely so we have a not a large cast of characters mm-hmm. but a good amount mm-hmm. you mentioned Os- Isadora's played by Asia <clears throat> yeah fantastic job especially mm-hmm. especially the scenes where she's screaming and yelling you believe it yeah yeah 100% <laughs> now I'm gonna let you talk about Michael because you have feelings about Michael <laughs> <laughs> so um I know we mentioned that at the starting scene when she's talked about the coffee and the bagel mm-hmm. but um I don't know he's it for, I don't think it's the actor. I think it's more the character, mm-hmm. uh, Michael. He just doesn't come across like a loving husband <laughs> or a loving father. It's just he's just there. He, he just his whole his face. He always looks irritated through the film, like when things happen. Like when she, it's almost like they went through a rough patch and they didn't say they like decided yeah. to stay together for the kids' sake. No, I mean, yeah, no, that's a good point. That could actually be. I mean, he's just irritated. He didn't want. He didn't want to go to Tuscany. Did he? He didn't want to go to the castle in the first mm-hmm. place. Obviously. Uh, he'd been talking to her dad behind the scenes. I don't know if we can mention that already, but yeah, another spoiler alert, um, which you kind of get. So it's almost like he's in with her dad on it to like 
let his dad take control of the castle or they get the money from it, etc. So yeah, he, he's, he's, he's kind of like scummy because all he's cared about is the money. And she's like, yeah, my mom, exactly. I want to figure out the mystery that is my mom. Yeah. And he's got no interest. He says, no, no, let's get away from here. Let's, let's leave. I'll get the, I've got plane tickets. I bought the plane tickets forward. We're going. I don't know. His, his facial expressions as well through the film. It's just like yeah. so uncaring. Some yeah. of it, I just watch, especially like during the, uh, not seance, what's he call it? The wake, the yeah. funeral when she goes there and he's just there. He's, he's, he's just so disapproving his face. I don't know. He just looks confused a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, there's there's nothing through the film. And and when he's uh, just the way he t- takes his daughter away when um, when she think when they're going to get pizza. Mm-hmm. There's a scene when they're going to get pizza and and um, yes! Asia, Asia stays in the house. Obviously, it it kind of relates to something that happens later in the film. But that whole scene when uh, he's like dragging the girl away. Yeah, you think that he's like just dragging a girl away and she wants to stay, but you can see him doing that. Whether she was dreaming out or it was real, you can you can kind of see he would do that. He's just he doesn't know, he just come doesn't come across like a a father to me or a I husband. Agree. He's just there like a, almost like the the um like the the brother that doesn't want to be there like a family gathering. There's one you know he doesn't want to be there. Snarky comments etc. But um yeah I don't, I say I don't think it's the actor. I think the actor did, did a good job. Uh, but I think it's just that character. He just came across as a bit unlovable. Blame the screenwriter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to mention the dad though. We haven't really talked about him. Arthur, who mm-hmm. is uh, Isidore's dad. Obviously, he takes a blame for a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, but I recognise that actor straight away, and I cannot, I cannot pronounce his name. Uh, I wanna, I'm going to try it. It's going to be. Is it? I'm going to say R- Rade Sabaja. Yeah. Unless you can pronounce that better. So I recognise that guy straight away. I was like, that is Boris the Blade from Snatch. um and in that film obviously he's a have you ever seen snatch yes yeah he's obviously a badass in that film and i recognize him straight away still the same guy still the same facial features Mm -hmm. so uh and to be fair he had quite a good role in the film as well he's uh obviously as soon as she finds out uh, asia finds out at the start of the film about her mother she goes straight to her dad to find out what the hell you've lied to me all these years (laughs) um and he's kind of in the middle of trying to sell a painting to someone as well which is quite funny um, and it, actually, that's another thing about the acting that he goes straight into a speech rather than going, "Oh, hey, how are you, daughter? How are you? How are you getting on?" It's just like, "Oh, well, you very know, the, it's very theatrical for no for no need." Yeah, it's like, normal conversation. As a parent, I have to do this and that, and it's yeah. just like, "Oh man, <laughs> he's just." I just get it. Of, you're delivering exposition, but maybe you're yeah. just too much of a theater actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it was kind of funny to see Boris the Blade in a in a in a role like that. I agree. <laughs> uh, the care tag. Uh, the caretaker Rodolfo, that guy yeah. <laughs> is weird. Yeah, weird. Yeah. And I, I think you have to have a weird. Like, I guess he was the caretaker, mm-hmm. caretaker slash groundsman. I guess. Um, so obviously, yeah, he appears when they first arrive in Italy. Um, he's there drinking on the bench, and he's almost like the drunk. <laughs> I think he's like the village drunk. Um, and he says something in Italian to her. She starts speaking Italian back to him. Is and then... the caretaker end up being the same guy that takes him to the house? Yeah, he leads yeah, him yeah, at yeah. the end of the film. Again, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's obviously in on it. But um, yeah, he's just a crazy, weird-looking guy. Um, reminded me of Wurzel Gummidge. But I know you probably won't know who the hell Wurzel Gummidge is. But that's a UK thing. It was like a UK TV show. Um, it's just like he's just crazy. He's got like, the fluffy white hair he's got the hat and he's got like the sort of feather or something in his hat um but yeah he, he's crazy throughout the film you call that um, a well-dressed man and the way he like he directs him to the ha- yeah that, that, no you're right you're talking about when he directs him to the house at the start yeah. of the film yeah, oh yeah, sorry, I, I, thought what meant. yeah I think he yeah. even gets in the car he just gets in yeah no he's like he's like opening the gate going like this yeah but no i thought he meant towards the end of the film as well he when 
again, spoiler alert, the climax of the film, he leads Asia and a daughter to that place that happens right at the end. He's the one that directs her and then um, turns everyone else away, doesn't he? Like when everyone's trying to find her, he's like telling yeah. them to go in a different direction. But yeah, again, he has quite a big part in the film, but he's just crazy. Um, and the scene where he uh, shoots the boar, that he goes boar hunting, <laughs> then he shoots the boar with um, uh, his, her daughter and her husband. And then uh, obviously she comes running out, she hears the gunshots and he's just coming out of a knife with a bloody knife. <laughs> And all he's doing is waving to show that he's killed a boar and they're having it for dinner tonight. So, um, yeah, you've got to have the crazy caretaker in there, slash groundsman. 100%. Um, and um, pre-show, we were talking about the Franco Nero character, mm-hmm. uh, Carlo, and how yeah. underutilized it is. I mean, Franco yeah. is probably, I want to say, maybe seven in his early 70s here in mm-hmm. this role. And you really can't tell. The guy's acting his ass off. Total yeah. class act. Uh, Django, one of my favorite spaghetti western movies of all time. Mm-hmm. That guy kills so many Mexicans <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> Uh, that scene is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and the final scene in Django is also... Mm. Anyway, anyway, that's for another day, another episode. <laughs> but uh, we get briefly introduced, maybe two or three scenes total with the Franco Nero character, if I yeah. can remember. And then, like we said, uh, the guy killed at the end is motherfucking Django himself gets stabbed <laughs> by a crazy Aussie Argento yeah. who's flipped a lid and is running through the goddamn place with her kid in her hand with a goddamn knife. Yeah, and I mean- yeah, yeah. He, I, he kind of felt like he was the good guy in the film as well. Because yes, um, he was trying. He, he's to trying help. to help her. He's he's like probably the one person that's genuinely trying and I to help go, her. And that will go into my theory about what's going on. Okay. Because I because like <laughs> I, I think he is the only good guy in this entire situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody did really good a really good performance. Yeah. I mean, other than the weird writing of the husband. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think I think I, I did actually have a quick Google of him as well. The the actual actor. So um, again, I put in my notes. I thought he was a bit campy, mm. a bit whiny. So I think in real life he actually he is gay, which you know is fine. So I mm. think maybe that almost came out. Um, in his, maybe maybe I just wasn't saw the that dad on Brady Bunch gay. I don't know. Probably, <laughs> maybe. The Brady um, Bunch people are going to be in our comments. Just yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. He, he, did, he did come across very campy, but it's, like I said, this sort of whine and stuff. So maybe maybe that that came across in his character a bit. But um, I don't know. I just found that the whole husband character just very, I don't know. I just didn't like him at all. But again, that kind of, that kind of helped with the feel of the film because it almost like everyone's against her mm-hmm. um, other than maybe uh, Franco Nero there. But um, yeah, I think it kind of helped in the end towards, because he, he was just not helping her at all. He didn't seem to help her with anything in the film. He mm-hmm. was just trying to talk her out of everything. Didn't want to go to it. He didn't want to help. I didn't want to find out about mom. So yeah, I guess he, the actor played the part really well. Um, but yeah, Asia is solid as always. Um, and again, Rudolf, Rudolfo, who was the uh, the groundsman, I thought he was brilliant. He was just so weird and funny. Um, and like you've mentioned as well, Carlo Franco, just the scenes he was in, it was really good, but he just wasn't in it enough. I think the, the way this first scene was really good when he, again, when she was at the funeral and he's there like blessing the body and he just turns around and you see him for the first time. I thought that was a really cool, mm-hmm. really cool introduction to him. Um, and that earring, yeah, like a giant ring earring as well. Yes. I don't know why that bothered me, but it did. <laughs> <laughs> so anything stand out for you? Um, 
<laughs> well, one thing I noticed straight away. So when the film starts, it's it's um, Asia and her husband and their daughter in 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 New York, I think it was in America. Okay. Um, I just thought their apartment was weird. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so they got the, they've got this apartment where um, it's just surrounded by bookcases on the wall over the walls. Fair enough, but all the bottom of their walls were just chopped wood. Almost like log. I get. I guess it could be log wood for the log fire. I, I didn't actually notice there was a log fire. Very you know, strange. Not, yeah, very strange. And they had like a CRT TV just perched there with a little DVD player on top. <laughs> I was thinking this is 2017 or 2020. Then that just felt a bit strange to me. Yeah, very European um, too. But um, standout moments. It's got to be the dream sequences uh, or oh, slash yeah. daydream slash nightmare slash whatever you want to call them. Very weird. Um, wasn't a massive fan of the color changes. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I like the, the intro bit when it goes dark red and black gray, and then you see that during the intro. But then other scenes through the film when it kind of it's almost like they put an Instagram filter on it for a few seconds, yes, and then it flashes on and off a little bit jarring, I thought. But um, they were definitely the standout scenes for me, trying to be art house, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So themes that are explored in agony, mental health, Mm -hmm. of course, that is probably the main one. Yeah, definitely. We mentioned there's like this supernatural thing going on, like Mm -hmm. that vibe's going on. Yeah, yeah. And in the notes, you have witchcraft. So you think there's some like witchcraft? Yeah, there's like a lot of sort of symbolism, I thought. Um, You know, obviously with the... There's a lot of ritualistic stuff in there where they're, um, you know, there, there's the scene where she go, where she finds the graveyard and, and there's, and there's all like the, the symbols on the graves. Um, and there, there's another scene where they're, they're raising that body upside down. I didn't quite understand the, the meaning behind that, but there's like, a, they're doing like a ritual mm-hmm. and they're, they've got a body like almost strung up like the body of Christ, but it's upside down and they're like hanging up on this like wooden structure. Just a lot of weird stuff like that. Um, and the way at the very start of the film as well, when a daughter's drawing the picture, again, Asia plays, she's a painter and she's an artist like her mum was. And her daughter's like drawing a portrait and she says, oh, you've really got the eyes, that the eyes make the face. It's just like, mm-hmm. just little weird things like that really st- stuck out for me. Uh, but the, the mental health thing, definitely, because she starts the movie off as like a normal American lady, you know, normal person. And uh, it just, it's like almost like a descent into madness. That's exactly what this kind of, film like explores is that yeah slow descent into madness yeah definitely so um yeah that's that was my real stick out moments and obviously haunted house it's a haunted house as well it's kind of a haunted house movie again obviously the plot we read out of the start um kind of mirrors a lot of other films where it's like uh inherits an old man oh my actually ghoulies there you go ghoulies Mm-hmm. inherits an old mansion. He goes to stay at a mansion to see what's going on. Uh, you know what this film couple. could use that Ghoulies has? A group scream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <definitely>. <laughs> <laughs> Again, there's there's so many that I can, I, I can't think that you can probably reel off so many films where it's uh, someone inherits an old house and it turns mm-hmm. out to be haunted or it turns out to be a ghost or it turns out to be something not right. So um, even though it's it's a, almost a tired storyline, this one I think does it really well because it's so the style is so different. Yeah. So audiences don't really like this movie, and people who watch it, for what little reviews that are out there, mm-hmm. don't understand the genre at no. all. No, no. They watch this and they take everything for face value. They see no, nothing but <laughs> oracle, nothing. You know, they can't read between the lines. They, mm-hmm. they, they're just the standard popcorn viewer who really likes the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah. Uh, and I understand that. That's that's some of those people out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But 
when that's the only reviews out there of it. It's up to us to look at this movie and give it a proper evaluation because I think it's a standout, especially in like 2020. We could be mm-hmm. sitting here, we could be blind to mm-hmm. like this entire like wave of Italian genre films that exist. Or mm-hmm. maybe this just comes out at a time where there's nothing like this because I found I can tell you in 2020, we're getting nothing like we not, had nothing like this. No. Uh, we had promises of stuff like this, never actually deliver. Maybe the mm-hmm. closest thing to actually this vibe was maybe Last Night in Soho. And that's oh, loose. That was a good film. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Last Night in Soho. But yeah, no, it's, I feel a bit sorry for it. Again, I, I've never heard of the film until you told me about it. So that's a good example for me. And I'm a big horror fan, big sort of genre fan as well. But um, the impression I got from looking a bit online was. Well, the film was made in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't get a release until 2020, and its release in 2020 was digital, so it kind of got dumped online, dumped onto streaming services. Obviously, during the pandemic as well, 2020. So got to make that it, money. It just kind of got lost, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Gravitas Ventures has a release. I got a Blu-ray of it, and I believe it's a burned one. Uh, yeah. but it's it's a pretty good. It's a pretty good. Release. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And again, trying to find it, a Blu-ray of it. Um, is is near and impossible again? Where is like. hen's teeth? Yeah, exactly. So keep hold of that one. I would. <laughs> I would. Um, so it, again, this sort of film to me, like a this sort of genre of film, Asia Argento Italian. This this is the sort of film that deserves like a, a nice release, a nice slipcase release, or like I agree. A, yeah, it's not not just Vincent. We're talking exactly. to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Arrow. Maybe an Arrow one. Yeah. Don't think an Arrow. A nice. Ooh, that might be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, yeah, it's that sort of film. It's not a film that gets that should really just be dumped on 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 digital and and hope for the best. I'd love to see interviews with the actors and stuff to see what was going on here. Yeah, Maybe yeah, even something same. with Franco Nero. You know, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, I did I did read that the original cut of this film was two hours long. <laughs> so there's obviously been issues. So if it was made three years before it got released, and then it was mm-hmm. heavily ed- edited, almost. Talk about an even 40 slower minutes burn. chopped out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I'd watch the two hour version. If they included that as a you know double disc, let's, let's get a nice double disc version, theatrical cut and uh, director's yes. cut. Yes. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about that ending. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul well, earlier today mm-hmm. brought it up, and I was like, now let's keep it for the show because mm-hmm. this ending is bonkers. So, essentially, we go through the whole movie just building up, building up for her to eventually mm-hmm. crack, grab her kid, and have a public absolute outburst, stabbing a man, Franco Nero, <laughs> killing him, <laughs> and doing the whole thing. Uh, essentially repeating the vicious cycle that her mom went through mm-hmm. of going crazy. Now, here's my theory, Paul. Okay. Her dad kept her mom crazy or thinking that she was crazy or the people around her so he could stay in control of the estate. Mm -hmm. He wanted to make sure that she repeated that cycle so he can continue to stay in control of the estate. So her, him and the husband were in cahoots so he can make some sort of money out of this. (laughs) And so she could, because like you mentioned, like he's cold the whole movie and he really acts like he doesn't care. What if he doesn't fucking care? What if this is his attempt to get rid of his wife once for all without killing her, just make her go insane dump her off into the secret room in the fucking big ass mansion yeah. and ride off into the sunset with custody of your kid and a couple extra bucks in your pocket. It's a goddamn conspiracy. Wow. Yeah, okay. That's not what I, that's not the way I 
I saw it, but um, it's just <laughs> <laughs> again. I, the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't understand what happened. I literally don't understand what I've just watched <laughs> at the end. It's like it, the last fifty minutes, it just goes crazy. It's just like, whoa, hang about all this build up, and suddenly it's like boom, and you're like, huh? huh? I have more questions than answers. <laughs> um, the way I, the way I watched, the way I interpreted it. Um, I kind of thought that she had just imagined the whole thing. So mm-hmm. her mother really was dead all those years ago, and she was the crazy one. So obviously, she you see all the flash, all the flashbacks through the film of her mother, or or the, the spectre that you believe to be her mother. I think that was her, her seeing herself, mm. um, and obviously the hanging. I think that was her. Oh, so you like it's like that scene in Mulholland Drive? Yeah, kind yeah. kind of along that sort of line. Um, and obviously there's the bit right there where she's going crazy and she's like trying to ward people off with a knife and she's got a daughter and then all the villagers come in and surround her and take yeah. her daughter away. So um, I think she just she just slowly goes crazy herself. Do you think that we're just witnessing one of the cycles repeat in her head? Yeah, exactly that. That's um, a good way to look at it. Obviously it, it does repeat the bit when, her, when the husband's dragging the kid away. Obviously yes. you, see it for, you see it for real at the end when he really... And if that was it. traumatic, she would relive that over and over again. Yeah, exactly. And obviously it shows the gravestone that... Uh, the crazy caretaker guy was carving out earlier in the film, putting the name on there as mother of her mother. But obviously, at the end, it's changed to her name, and it's her face in the middle of the gravestone. Whereas in the film, when they yeah. visit the grave, it's it's her mum's name, but a face that they don't recognise. So I don't know. There's just so many different. And I think that's why it stands out is because it yeah. leaves questions and it answers exactly. some of them. You've got your ending. I've got my ending. I'm sure other people that have watched it have got their own version of the ending. But the crazy thing is. Because there's not much about this online. There's That's not many reviews out there. There is you can't just Google agony ending explained. This is nothing. Yeah. It doesn't tell you. <laughs> so we've got to interpret it the best we can, and we've both got two very different ideas, which is interesting. For sure. So yeah. would you recommend this film to somebody? Yes, yes, I would. I would definitely. Um, it. It's weird. It's weird that we call it a slow burn because it's only like an hour and twenty minutes long. <laughs> but... That's what... And that's what the standard used to be for movies, and now everything's yeah. two hours, three. Yeah, hours. yeah, it's almost like a almost like a full moon feature, like you know, yeah. coming in about eighty minutes. But um, yeah, you, you say slow burn, but it's interesting all the way through. There's, yes. there's not, I, I wasn't bored at all. It's just there's just if if anything, just for the visual effects, it just you just it just keeps going, and, and you're just wondering what is is this real? Is she dreaming it? And is what is this like happening now, or is this a dream she's seen in the past? I don't know. It's yeah. just. So many unanswered questions. It keeps um, you guessing every step of the yeah. way. I really would like to see the two-hour version if it ever gets sees the light of day. Because I bet you it's yes. explained a lot more. Than and an than, uh, yeah, and there's the scene again. <laughs> at the one scene, I just, just sprung back in my head at the at the funeral at the wake uh, when she she starts talking to those two men. There's two men that were they used to provide hay for her mum's horses yeah. or something, and um and they just start talking to her like they're really close. And then the next thing at her her silly husband comes along tells her he can't find the kid and then she walks off to go and find the kid and then he then he talks to him oh yeah so i've heard a lot about you and oh yeah we've heard a lot about you <laughs> and he goes oh there's another one of you around here somewhere isn't there or something and then boom gone never explained you never hear about it and why would he it's just so it's random almost like get snippets of that other yeah cut. yeah 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 there's yeah. shit that happens where you're like what the fuck did that happen for yeah yeah why did yeah, it happen but... it doesn't really alter the course of the story you're just like there's something missing here yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it just adds to the bizarreness, though, because it's, it, it's essentially a film about mental health and de- you know the the craziness, and she's going crazy. But almost like watching it, you start getting a bit crazy as well, because you're like, 
hang, hang about what that doesn't make sense and, and almost, then there's the scene awkwardness and like, almost keeps that uneasy feeling for the viewer. yeah uneasy that's a, yeah that's a good way to explain it it's a very uneasy fi- uh film to watch but how I, would, I would we ha- uh rate this um out of five out of five <laughs> um i'm gonna go three and a half out of five Ooh, you know what i'll agree with you it's not the yeah. most perfect film but it's a watchable movie and yeah like you said it's yeah it just it <laughs> deserves a much bigger audience definitely 100%. um, um it, you know obviously it's got asia in it um i don't know if you noticed actually yourself I, I don't know if you watched the credits during the end, but um, I think I told you the first time I watched this, I did fall asleep, but that wasn't because of the film. It's because I was knackered. I woke up and the credits were rolling and it got to the special thanks at the end. Yeah. And there was two names that jumped out at me. Uh, Dario Argento. Yeah. Obviously, he got a special thanks. I, he, I know he must have given some tips, I, I'd imagine, obviously. Yeah. Or he, he came on set for a day or something to see Asia. Um, but the other name in there, Billy Idol. <laughs> So why, would, <laughs> why would Billy Idol get special thanks in this film? Any idea? No, 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 <laughs> Actually, that's I, another thing we haven't mentioned is the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I thought the soundtrack was amazing. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, it wasn't Billy Idol, obviously. It was, um, <laughs> it was a very, uh, very bassy soundtrack throughout, like real atmospheric. Lots um, of uh, violin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just real heavy bass. I, I noticed like my sound system was getting like a real beating from it. Yeah, it's good stuff. I, yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, I, I'd love to know why Billy Idol had a special thanks in the credits. But uh, there, there you go. Maybe he's friends with the... It was just a nice day for a... Yeah, for a white man. <laughs> Actually, saying that, Billy Idol, he did, he, one of his songs was in Demons, wasn't it? With, yes. Maybe he's friends with Dario Argento or something. There They're you busy go. With the set. Who knows? <laughs> well, this would have been Dario's... Uh, Son-in-law, well, ex-son-in-law. Yeah. Oh, they. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Then. Yeah. And they're obviously still friends if they made this film. Yeah. Years or after getting was, divorced. Uh, yeah. He probably gave mm-hmm. him some some pointers. Yeah. <laughs> probably saw that weird stuff and was like, "Yeah, this is good. <laughs> this is good." Remember whenever I made that painter who eats cats? Yeah. Yeah. Just like this. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, one sad thing. One sad thing I did find out. Uh, unfortunately, I know we've talked about the husband quite a lot in his character that we didn't particularly like, or I didn't particularly like. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the actor himself um, is very ill at the moment. Oh. Um, he's suffering a um a very it's a very rare disease but um, he's got a gofundme page open at the moment but he's uh he's been suffering for a few years now um i think he's lost all his teeth he's got a lot of uh a, a disease which they can't figure out what's going on with him he's had to go to columbia to get all this oh, to wow. get a uh, specialist care um definitely he, not the reason we would go to columbia no no <laughs> definitely not <laughs> but um he, he is still kicking i literally looked up his gofundme and he, he posted an update i think it was today actually funny enough hmm. to say that he's uh he's doing okay and thanking people for the uh for, for the donations but um he he seems to be more of a director than an actor he he's directed oh, okay. quite a few things he's he did like like a couple of documentaries which were quite highly regarded and i noticed gus van sant was one of the people that set up his gofundme so wow yeah there you go so i'd say that's it for this review of agony yep. from 2020 2017 wherever the yeah. fuck it is where, where, where can people watch this film is it is it streaming in the in the u.s i originally watched it streaming in the u.s i there yep. is a american blu-ray that if you can find it it's actually very hard to free. Find. we've talked about it very hard yeah, to yeah. find uh, it's, um, it's on yeah. prime in, prime in the uk but you've got you've got to rent it or buy it in the uk so uh and youtube as well you can buy it on youtube if you find um, it on streaming 
watch it. Take the hour 23 minutes out of your day Mm -hmm. and be like, you know what? I want to watch something weird. You do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We recommend it. We highly recommend it. Okay. So anyway, I I told Paul we would bring this up because it's topical, especially for him. So this morning we got some news. Paul, Mm -hmm. take it away. Wow. This morning, um, Jeffrey Levy uh announced via Ghoulies Unflushed, the Facebook group from uh that he he has now secured the rights to back to get Ghoulies back on the back on the big screen, back on the reboot. Um so it, it's official from the producer of the original film uh and Lu- Luca oh man, I, I always get his name. Beravat Luca uh, Graham used to kill me for this. <laughs> Luca Bercovici. Yes. There we go. Luca Bercovici. So he announced it himself that they have got the rights back two ghoulies um so they will be going ahead with the reboot and they said that they're hoping to get that out this year um so that yeah that's fantastic news Um, something about a cartoon series yeah no so yeah yeah you even mentioned a cartoon series potentially in the works as well so yeah they said all all rights are now reverted to them so i think it includes merchandise and everything as well so i don't know how that's going to pan out because there's there has been a fair amount of Ghoulies merchandise in the last you know. couple of years, I've noticed. Yeah, so especially Ghoulies 2 um, stuff. So The good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, like, I, like, I like all of them. Yes. I like all of them. <laughs> They're all very, very good um, films. Yeah, so that's, that's super exciting news. And that obviously that news comes from the producer and the director themselves of the original. So, yeah. Straight from the top. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff indeed, mm-hmm. but that's all we have for you this week. Uh, and I will just say at the top that Severn did announce a whole <laughs> new line of films the day after okay. we recorded last last mm-hmm. week's episode. And uh, the next time we do our little physical media roundup, we will include those. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I messaged Paul the next day and was like, yeah. God damn it. We talked all that shit just for them. No, no, we didn't. You did. I didn't okay. talk any shit. Paul, so. Paul's innocentness. It's all me. Uh, I, have a I have a love-hate relationship with Severn, and it continues. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Celluloid celluloid psychosis uh it's been truly a damn good time mm-hmm. i am the pod boss tj bowser that's mr paul ashford yes that's me thank you very much and we will see you guys on the next episode bye-bye now goodbye smoking that whoopi goldberg south egyptian fur burger deluxe mega million scratcher skunk bubba kush